Welcome to Stu's EV Universe, where you can find anything and everything electric vehicle. Today, we will have the pleasure of talking with Lane Boldman, Executive Director of the Kentucky Conservation Committee. We will be discussing some EV-related bills that have recently been proposed, as well as other things in the legislative landscape. I guess, uh, kind of starting out, um, can you give me a little bit of a background about the uh, Kentucky Conservation Committee? Uh, Sure. The Kentucky Conservation Committee is kind of a collaborative. It's been around since uh, 1975, and we were started as as basically an assist to the four big conservation groups that were around at that time to help facilitate... um, laws in the state legislature that were uh, having to do with the issue of how to preserve the Red River Gorge and uh, uh, the Wild and Scenic Rivers Act. Those were federal acts, uh, but there were state laws that also came into play um, during that time that were uh, uh, side issues having to deal with how to best preserve the Red River Gorge and prevent it from being flooded. Right. So, uh, so we... Uh, came about because the four big environmental groups at that time realized that they needed a constant presence in Frankfurt during the legislative session and was to talk to state lawmakers, uh, the cabinet. And so uh, they uh, contributed funds to have a full-time lobbyist up there. And uh, from that, our organization uh, became the, the caring vehicle for that. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, and I think um, I first became aware of you all. Uh, I mean, we uh, from Evolve KY, we do a, a lot of tabling events. And mm-hmm. I think the first time we met was you were tabling at, uh, I think it was the Earth Walk. Yeah. Uh, also another rainy day. Yes, yes, it was. <laughs> and, I, and I think that was actually uh, maybe one of the only few good things that came out of being there that day, because uh, it was kind of a washout. But uh, we met and um, as you know, the co-founder and director, you know, of, of a nonprofit, um, you know, nonprofit electric vehicle group, uh, it was really great to know that there's folks out there that can help us and, and, and have our best interests in mind. Um, because I know when I started Evolve, um, it's about six years ago, um, there were a lot of things that I didn't think that I would you know, be touching on. And I'm, I'm not a real political person. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not super active, although I've become more active. <laughs> um, and I really never thought that, you know, uh, a, at the time, small electric vehicle group uh, would have any sort of concerns, you know. Sure. Um, and, and it was really wonderful to see that, that we have, you know, folks that, that are kind of keeping an eye out you know, for what's going on. Well, um, and, and it goes both ways, right? Because what we do is we just try to provide that linkage to make sure that the public understands issues that are being debated uh, right. in, in the cabinet and at the legislature. And sometimes it can move really fast and the public just hasn't had a chance to uh, become aware of it. And, and groups like yours, you know, I don't consider myself the expert in any one area. I'm trying to uh, help field 
the connections between multiple areas. And so right. having a group like yours that, that really can dig into the details is very helpful. Right. And uh, I mean, very early on in our, our history, I, I would say, you know, the, our group's been around for about six years. I would say four or five years ago, there was a transportation funding bill that just came up and I was made aware of it. Um, and, you know, I was I think it was a reporter from uh, public radio um, contacted me and wanted our take on it. Sure. And I think especially, you know, I did like a little thing for uh, recorded for the radio. Um, I was I was pretty much fuming because <laughs> especially four or five years ago, um, you know, you'd kind of do a little dance. If you saw here in in, in Kentucky, um, another EV on the road within, you know, a week or two. Right. Um, right. So it, it was like really not happening in any sort of big way. And uh, already they were like, oh, you know, this is on our radar. And um, they were really talking about how um, they have a budget shortfall and they're looking for ways to kind of fill that. And electric vehicles was, uh, you know, something they were thinking about. And that absolutely made you know, no sense to me. Um, I mean, right, right now we're talking about transportation funding bill, uh, HB 508, right? There, and, there's, uh, actually, there's actually two now. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and well, that, yeah. And, um, it, it's, uh, I, my understanding is a base fee, uh, annual of $150 for battery, uh, electric vehicles mm -hmm. and a, an annual base fee of $75 for plug-in hybrids. Yep. Um, and, you know, again, fast forward to today. Yeah, there are, there are definitely more uh, EVs on the road today than there were four or five years ago. Uh, but just really, you know, easy and quickly, I, I looked into it. And um, the number as of quarter three, 2020. Um, so what we have is 4,403 uh, in Kentucky, and that includes battery electric vehicles and plug in hybrid electric vehicles. And you compare that to the what's out is the 2016 data for Kentucky, 1.68 million uh, automobiles that were registered in Kentucky. So it just seems to me that it's not motivated by needing that money and thinking that they're going to get that money from the population of folks that are driving electric vehicles. And and I, I think by, you know, talking to our group, which is a large group now, um, I think we have over 150, 160 paid members. Mm -hmm. um, so we've grown a lot in, in, in six years. Um, people aren't necessarily balking at, you know, eventually paying a fee. Um, and for most people, it's not going to make or break them. It, it's more the principle of it. Um, I think we're trying to do something that we consider is good for the environment. Um, I mean, we're seeing all sorts of climate events like what happened just now in Texas and we're in the wildfires in California. And we're trying a lot of our group, not everybody, but a, a lot of our group. Um, uh, one main reason they're doing this, you know, switching to electric vehicles is for environmental reasons. Right. And to kind of be punished for doing something good at a very base level, you know, doesn't really feel good. Um, and, and then, you know, not everybody that drives an EV, um, also kind of a, a common misconception, is wealthy. Um, you know, I don't drive a Tesla. Um, 
we, you know, we're solidly middle class here. Uh, we have one member who had a double lung transplant. So he drives an EV and, and his, for his family, uh, it's health reasons. And he has a, a mountain of, uh, of medical bills. So to add another fee <laughs> for someone like that, um, just doesn't seem right, you know? Sure. Uh, so, and it's, and it's interesting too, you say, um, you know, this has just been a debate over the last four years or so. It, it just shows you how quickly the market has has changed and changed dramatically. Because right. what I ran into when some of these um, flat fee bills were being proposed, and, and those have been proposed in many states, about 20 states have proposed flat fee uh, legislation. Uh, people were still not totally even understanding hybrid cars much less electric cars and and i right. i found it fascinating that that even a, even a year ago some lawmakers still didn't understand how a hybrid car worked right well and that's the other thing you have folks that are proposing this that um i guess i would wager uh very few of them if any are, are driving an, a, an electric vehicle um can you talk a little bit about uh the what Kentucky looks like as far as uh, the folks that are are proposing this and, and our government? Yeah, well, I'll say first that I think I think Evolve and and all the other EV users have done a fantastic job trying to help educate lawmakers more on the technicalities of some of uh, the intricacies of electric cars. Um, right. I, I know I, I had a long conversation with one lawmaker who said, well, we're charging hybrid cars because they have a battery, don't they? And, and, and they just weren't quite understanding. I mean, not, not all of them, obviously. I mean, there, there's right. certainly people that understand. But, um, but what, what we're trying to do is, is try to make sure that the fees are fair to the equivalent of gas cars. And and that's a little tricky because if you don't understand the technology, you don't. Uh, it's hard for them to make a judgment, and they have to make some financial decisions. They they have real uh, budgetary issues to deal with. So so we had the two bills that were proposed, uh, HB five hundred eight, which is uh, Representative Duplessis, um, and I was really pleased to see that this bill had integrated some of the things that that we had lobbied for, which is it took more into consideration rather than just a flat fee. It also established some weight classifications because two things right. we brought up were, you know, we'd like you to consider other concepts uh, being tested around the country, such as vehicle miles traveled or, yep. and or weight classification as other models to look at to, to establish these fees. So, they, so his bill did uh, establish uh, classifications for, 10,000 pounds or less cars and uh, 10,000 pounds or less or, or more cars. And so the hybrid, the non-hybrid electric vehicles have a fee of uh, in the smaller weight class of $150 and the, um, the plug-ins uh, wait, Oh, let me get this right. Uh, sure. Yeah. Non-hybrid electric vehicles of a thousand pounds or less, $150. Right. Uh, and then 75 for the plug-ins and then, uh, for the higher weight classification, electric cars three hundred dollars, and then the plug-ins one fifty. So, right. so we were glad to see that. We still didn't feel like this bill quite got all the things we were looking for. So we're still opposing it. 
Uh, but then another bill was filed uh, just this past week, uh, HB 561, um, which is Representative Santoro. And uh, that one is in Appropriations and Revenue right now. Uh, they establish a, this is kind of similar to a bill we saw last year, which was a pretty awful bill, but I do see improvements in this. They established an electric vehicle user fee for non-hybrid electric motor vehicles of $150. Now, where we've made some progress is that they totally took out all the hybrids from both these bills. Uh, right. But they, uh, and they are now in Santoro's bill classifying electric motor, motor vehicles all the same. He's not distinguishing between plug-ins or not. Uh, so $150 flat fee. Um, and he's defining a non-hybrid electric vehicle as a vehicle solely propelled by an electric motor. And then mm. on top of that, he's, he's proposing a, what's called a road preservation fee based on efficiency. And that's for, uh, I, I believe it's for any vehicle. So um, that establishes a fee of $35 for uh, a vehicle that has an MPG of 30 to 39 uh, MPG. And higher than that, it's a $40 fee. So uh, 40, 40 right. miles plus. So, so in some form, they've listened to us a little bit because they did take into account uh, fuel efficiency of the car and the weight of the car in in one form or another in either of these bills. So uh, uh, obviously Santoro's uh, deals with the, the miles per gallon and um, uh, HB 508 Duplessis deals with the weight. So, right. so it's progress, but everything we've seen, and, and these are long bills. I mean, the Santoro bill is a 75 page bill. Uh, it wow. sounds like, <laughs> it sounds like it's better, uh, but but I don't think it still rises to be equal with um, gas cars. Well, and some of the issues just kind of that I, I could think of are folks that are driving electric vehicles are already paying taxes to the electric company. Right. So, you know, that's happening. Um, a lot of these vehicles are, I mean, I have solar panels on my house and a lot of our members have solar panels, but a lot of them are powered by coal. So, you know, we're kind of supporting um uh, yeah, homegrown industry here, if you will. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's the environmental benefit. The, so you have health benefits. So we're, there's savings there. Um, there seems to be some um, issues with like when you're do when you're doing this with a plug-in hybrid, it seems kind of like double dipping because a plug-in hybrid is still going to be stopping at the gas station. Yes. So, so it's like paying twice. So there, there just are a lot of, and I, you know, off the top of my head, I, I, I don't know what the problem would be with, you know, it seems like we're being penalized even for folks that have vehicles that have, uh, are more efficient. It seems like we shouldn't be penalized for having a car that's more efficient. Um, we should be, you know, there should be incentives for that. Um, and that's the other thing. I mean, it's such a, um, you know, it's growing and it's growing fast. It's still, you know, EVs. It still has a long way to go. Uh, it has the potential for being a disruptive technology. And I, I truly believe that's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And But there's been so much um, media attention to, like, the big legacy automakers. Oh, you know, by, you know, 
2035, uh, we're shooting for or we're aiming for all of our fleet to be, you know, electric or electrified. I mean, and you really have to look deep into their language because they're not promising anything. They're 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 aiming for something. And so they're kind of hedging their bets a little bit. I'm hopeful that they will come through with these things. But um, I think because there's so much talk. Uh, there's a common misconception that we have there right now, there are just tons of electric vehicles on the road and they're not paying their fair share. And right. that can, that's the furthest thing from the truth. It's just such a small number. Um, and I, I think as far as electric vehicle group, you know, and looking at it from our point of view is we don't want to be, have anything stand in the way of adoption. You know, our mission is to promote, the the speedy adoption of electric vehicles as a cleaner form of transportation and something like this uh maybe not in a a major major way but it it does stand in the way of our mission um and we don't want there to be things standing in the way of of good things happening you know uh, on a very basic level so so this is where it's really important right now particularly this week because um both of these bills have been proposed uh, it's been a really odd session because, um, one, it's a short session. Um, it's a more complicated session because they're putting the budget into this year, uh, deba- this year's debate, because um, normally that's in the long sessions that, that happened last year, right. but it got cut short because of COVID. So they've got to pass a one-year budget in this session. Um, they had a week delay because of the weather events uh, recently. And so what's happened is a lot of these bills just got really crammed into the agenda in the last week. Um, and there's a lot of bills that the public hasn't even gotten to see or digest or scrutinize. So we, right. we digested these two bills, uh, and you can find those on our website, uh, kyconservation.org. But, but what's really important now is that the public starts sending sending their comments as to what they like and what they don't like about each of these bills, because I do want to thank both of these uh, sponsors for making improvements. Um, They still have a long way to go, but I think what's going to happen now is probably neither of these bills will move. What will happen probably is that there's going to be within a week, a, a budget conference committee that starts. And I, I, I assume what will happen is the components of these bills will be integrated into the budget discussion. So, okay. so people need to make their comments on these bills, uh, but then also start having some conversations with um, the House leadership. It'll start in the House uh, and the head of the House Transportation Committee uh, to say what you like and don't like about these bills and why. Now, for someone very much like me that, uh, you know, really doesn't know where to start is there a simple way to say oh you know to speak up and to make your voice heard um this is what you need to do um yeah we have uh, well on those two bills what i'll do uh today is i'll add some uh text to our descriptions that can give you explicit instructions of who to contact and why um we have them up on our website right now but that's a good question because they only have a, a like a full week left and a few days after to uh, move these bills. So that's why I say I suspect that these bills will not move all the way through. But 
it's a time for people to express their opinions about them. So, so we still want you to contact the sponsors of the bills and that is up on our website right now. So okay. if you go to our bill page and you click on uh, our bill list, you'll see HB 508 and uh, HB, hold on, HB 561, and you'll see a hot link to the sponsors. And that will click to okay. their page where you, where you can email them, okay? okay? And tell them what you like and don't like. But But in addition, we would like for you to ask the sponsors to inform the the um, the budget committee about your concerns as well. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, that's great. And um, I mean, one of these things, you know, one of the things that this brought up in my mind is uh, I hate the idea of uh, us as a group only being reactive mm -hmm. <laughs> to things that are going on. And uh, I know at least I think it was two or three years ago, we, we were thinking, oh, well, you know, for better or for worse. Um, and I think it's for better. I mean, we, we are, are kind of looking at these things. And uh, I mean, we even, you know, we worked with you. We went into the, the Capitol building um, a few years back and we brought our Evolve film. Mm -hmm. And I think it was in support of uh, we were all looking at... Um, the rooftop solar issue yes. uh, happening in Kentucky. So there was that, and there was also, you know, uh, paired with this uh, this fee for electric vehicles. So we were there really for both of those things. Uh, the the solar thing was was a, a, a much bigger bigger issue. Um, but we, I think, we ran our evolved film on on loop, and uh, I don't have a lot of opportunity or need necessarily to to go to the Capitol, but. Uh, I went and a handful of our members went and it was just such an awe inspiring thing. And you got to meet these people. Um, and a lot of these people were very open to, to having these discussions and learning. And, um, you know, that was absolutely great. So being proactive, um, you know, it, it came up that there's one thing I think other states have either done it or considering doing is for new construction, there's a very simple thing you could do to encourage folks um, to, to purchase an EV, and that's putting a 220 or a 240 volt plug in your garage mm -hmm. while before you know, the house or the, 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 uh, the building is built. Mm -hmm. um, so that's something I wanted to kind of start a conversation with you and, and see if we can work towards getting something like that done. So instead of just being reactive, we can think about ways where um you know we could actually propose things and, and build relationships yeah i think uh for sure something that would be great to get across um to lawmakers on as to the bills that's on that's on the table right now any any house member uh because they're all trying to learn uh is right. to get across that uh as they're debating how to charge for uh electric vehicles then why shouldn't since that is directed toward paying for the roads, why can we not integrate also within that road funding fee uh, some directed allocation toward EV infrastructure? To me, to me, right. if you're going to be paying the extra fee, fees to the road tax, then EV infrastructure needs to be part of that. Right, right. No, that totally makes sense. Yes. Um, so yeah. that's that's a point to get across. And then buildings, um, <clears throat> it's it's a little tricky. The, uh, buildings were totally behind getting the, the charging infrastructures built in. 
Uh, there's also still some pushback from, you know, lawmakers that live in uh, coal-heavy, coal-dependent regions. Um, the head of the House um, <clears throat> Natural Resources Committee is very pro-coal. Um, he is concerned uh, and has a bill right now to uh, prevent what's called fuel switching in mm -hmm. uh, state and local government or city and local governments, um, because some cities are seeing the value of encouraging to meet their climate uh, goals. Um, you know, trying to encourage new buildings to be um, not dependent on gas infrastructure, but to go all electric, and then hopefully right. that electric is generated by clean energy. And uh, there's a bill right now, H, uh, HB 207, which has passed the House now uh, and is on its way to the Senate uh, that prevents this kind of fuel switching. So that's, that's another right. bill on our list that we'd love to see more comments on. Okay. Okay. Um, now, can you also mention, because I, I know the uh, Kentucky Conservation Committee um, You've been in this role for a while. Are there other folks uh, that are instrumental to to doing, you know, kind of moving you all forward? Yeah. So, so the way we work is we've got uh, myself and my partner Randy Strobo, who uh, runs a law firm in Louisville. Uh, he does a lot of the legal analysis of our bills, and then we have a thirteen-member board that comes from all walks of life, um, both uh, in the land conservation and uh, clean energy space. And a lot, you know, includes a lot of former state employees, which is really helpful. And uh, so we collectively make our determination on all the bills, and it's a great team. And then there's also another organization called Kentucky Resources Council. Um, Tom Fitzgerald, who's a great attorney on environmental work, he's been doing this work for 30 years. He also runs a list uh, of bills in the legislature. In the legislature, and uh, and we tag team quite a bit. Um, our lists are usually pretty pretty darn similar so um it takes a lot of work because it's short notice for a lot of these bills we've had a couple bills drop this week where um because of the russian deadlines lawmakers just filed placeholder bills and then then they had to file a bill substitute not to get too into the weeds on the process but uh when when that happens a lot of times the public never sees the language of the bill before it's passed out of committee and that's very mm. frustrating so, so right. we've had a few hitting us this week like that. So, so groups like ours try to watch the whole legislative session as it happens so we can be listening for things like this and get the word out uh, because there's a time lag between when lawmakers act and when it gets uploaded to um, the, the Legislative Research Commission website by several hours. And sometimes right. the bills are already on their way to the next part of the uh, process. So, so we try to get the word out and we ask people to follow our Facebook and Twitter um, for things that change quickly during the day. Yeah. And I think one of the things I love about what you all are doing is um, it's sort of like a David and Goliath kind of thing where uh, a lot of these groups have serious lobbying arms and pour some serious money in, into um, kind of getting their things done, uh, you know, <laughs> whether they're yeah. good or bad. And uh, I, I think yeah, we're, we're nonprofit. <laughs> yeah, you're nonprofit. And, and, and you're, you know, you're working hard and really soliciting the, the public, which, you know, trying to get the word out. Um, and 
trying to have all all you know our residents have a, a voice in this and um, hoping that moves the needle which is which is great which is wonderful um are, are there other um because this obviously this is going to be heard by folks in other states are, are there mm-hmm. similar groups in in other states sure um and i do want to give a shout out to uh to um consumer reports who's done a great job keeping uh, the public up to speed on the uh, EV fee topic, but you know I, I work closely with the Sierra Club. They have chapters uh, in every state. Um, I, uh, uh, National Resource Defense Council has presence in a lot of states, and and there are several uh, larger environmental organizations that watch uh, EV fees. But you know the real experts are the people on the ground that are driving the cars. Right, and uh, because this technology has changed fast. The, the changes in solar have been really fast. I mean, you and I were, were aware of changes to rooftop solar uh, that we've been fighting for four years. Right. But, but during that time, the last two years, there are now 20 proposals for large merchant solar farms in the state. Wow. And that's, that's only happened in the last year or two. Right. So, so, you know, in a rapidly changing landscape of clean energy, uh, every person that digs into the details and has an opinion should be expressing them because um, there's always something to learn and it has to be learned quickly. Right, right. And actually, you know, going back to the, the EV fees, um, I believe I, I looked at an interactive map and it looked like about half of the states already have a fee like this implemented um, and about half of them don't. And uh it was interesting. I mean, just a couple of the states I kind of clicked on, like I think California, I believe, um, you know, ours is proposed $150. California um, passed for $100. Um, and that's only for vehicles, I believe, that are 2020 and newer, mm-hmm. um, which I thought was interesting. You know, so... Um, it's it's not such a black and white issue um and i, I just um uh, i guess i have a problem with uh, it being treated like it's a black and white issue yeah uh, ultimately you would want to have a, a federal legislation that has has been backed by some really solid analysis right now a lot of these states are just kind of shooting from the hip because they see the increase of the cars they hear that this is going to be a predominant um uh, method of transportation using right. EVs, and they're trying to get out ahead of it. Right. Plus, plus, uh, gas usage has declined, particularly during the pandemic. So they've got an immediate hit now that they're trying to deal with. Right. Right. Okay. Are there any other things that you'd wanted to bring up, or? No, we just encourage people to watch our website. I'll put some additional information about how the Budget Conference Committee may work on those two bills. But for right now, we just encourage people to contact the uh, representatives for these two bills and let them know your opinions of them uh, and try to be respectful and proactive. Um, tell them what you like and don't like and, um, and ask them to pass along your comments to um, House Leadership and the House Conference Committee. House Bud- Budget Conference Committee, and um, hopefully we can, you know, improve these bills even more. And I'm I'm really impressed with between the the partnership with Evolve and and your help, how we've been able to get uh, this conversation improved already. 
Okay. Oh, great. That's great to hear. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for spending a little time with me today. I really appreciate it. Sure. Anytime. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Stu's EV Universe. I wanted to take a moment for a shout out to Ben Jones, the creator of the EV Diaries podcast. Ben has a wonderful podcast where he mixes his personal experience with the news of the day. The result is both honest and compelling. He reached out to me early on to encourage me. Super appreciated as I try to get a grip on the podcast landscape and improve. So give a listen to the EV Diaries. You'll be happy you did. And please help us grow. Please subscribe as we have some very compelling guests coming up. Please rate and comment. Your feedback is essential. And last but not least, thank you to Eden Unger for creating the music and art for this episode. And remember, the EV revolution runs on your energy. I am Stuart Unger. See you next time.